0: She is actually opening the Malamars in front of me. All right, hold on a second.
1: I'm a Malamar. Mm-hmm.
0: You talk about Gerber. <laughs> know, perfectly... oh,
1: you talk about Gerber. I'm busy eating Malamars. And that is the division of labor on today's podcast, listeners. Mm-hmm. This is the cold open right here, isn't it? It's just going to start oh. with you crunching and saying. It is now. Mm-hmm. Hey, you talk about Gerber.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to oh. eat Malamars. Go. <laughs>
1: This genuinely has become the weirdest, shoddiest podcast we've ever done, hasn't it?
0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. As our cold open promises, the second of episode 65's two installments has not only Malamar's, but a teeny tiny bit more discussion of Steve Gerber's defenders as well. Plus, we also go on to talk about Matt Fraction's recent appearance on Word Balloon, the pros and cons of interviewing pros, being trolled on Twitter, Watchmen 2, price of satisfaction, and some of our terrifying purchasing decisions revealed. All this and more in a 90 plus minute conclusion. As always, we hope you enjoy and thank you for listening.
1: We should get back to of uh, Defenders to have some sort of like unifying theory of it.
0: Uh, it is awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Something... That's not a unifying theory, that's a statement. It isn't.
0: I think, I think so, I'm willing to defend it. Uh, okay, so here's the thing. Let me ask you, because I can't tell if it's just me or not, and the thing that's weird is I've, like, read so many other 70s Marvel comics, and yet uh, my memory is finally going. Like, there's not even enough space for those. They're finally leaving my brain. Do you feel like Gerber's comics have more married people in them than other comics from the era, or is it just...
1: More married people? More married people, yeah. I like, am having a problem even thinking of that many married people in the Defenders.
0: Well, okay, there's okay, there's, so there's, Jack, there's
1: Jack and Barbara.
0: Yes, but then after that, it's it's mainly a lot of individual couples, like for local color. Like, oh no, well, I I
1: feel that maybe not married couples, but their couples was definitely a big thing in late sixties, seventies Marvel.
0: Oh, I agree, definitely. There, it was all about
1: like. By which I mean supporting character couples, not. Yeah the, yeah, the yeah. the romantic trials of your hero.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. But but no, yeah, no. I think there was that soap opera influence too. But like, for example, uh, in in that great what issue am I looking at here? The um, first Marvel two in one that has all those people at a um, at the subway station with the chick playing the harmonica, which is just. That is such a great weird opening. That just the fact that you know, because it's so weirdly down to earth, but and specifically New York in the seventies, but also exaggerated, and then it goes cosmic, but back to humanity. Kind of like you said, that weird inversion of making the mundane epic. But one of the one of the groups of the five people are um, the the married couple who are actually worried about um, Shanae and uh, Sheldon and Renee Goldenberg. And this is the other thing, is is like Gerber's Jewishness, which I I, talk, I don't know if you remember the obit that I wrote for him for the Savage Critic. It wasn't an obit, I guess, a tribute to him after he died. But I'm sort of surprised by, considering when I whipped that up, it was off the top of my head, like how much of the stuff I feel like I see now in Gerber's work. And one of it is, he just, if he has a chance to name a supporting character so frequently that character is going to be named is going to have a jewish name like i remember at one point nighthawk is talking to the police commissioner and it you think it's going to be a commissioner gordon analog and his name's like feingold it's like commissioner feingold you know (laughs)
1: commissioner gordon steen
0: yeah exactly it's really kind of amazing um. So, like, with an elf... So, of course, the fact that they're a married couple, it has this whole thing where his face disappears and he realizes that he's sort of started to sell out and, and lose his individuality.
1: And again, we're getting back to the humanist thing.
0: Yeah, very much so. Very much so. But, like, the elf with a gun character, I think one of the... V-
1: that's true. The elf the with a gun does go after couples.
0: Yeah, he does. He kills a couple of married couples in there. Um, there's some other narration that had a married couple... There's,
1: there's the couple uh, in Connecticut, living around the headman?
0: Yeah, exactly. Right, across the street from the headman, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Um, who, I want to say, have some sort of um, non-Gentile name, I don't remember. But... Um, but you know so th- maybe not maybe I'm just wrong but I don't
1: I know I, I hadn't actually noticed it but now that you're talking about it I'm thinking well yeah because I mean there's also the, the when the wasp shows up for like one scene when Yellow Jacket appears
0: yes exactly oh yeah in fact they're sort of cuddling on the couch yeah and, she, and she's room.
1: pretty much like I'm going to bed and he's like I'll come and see you later baby <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Which I kind of exactly. love. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was really great, but it was kind of this weird thing of like Gerber, who I don't know if he ever was married. I sort of assumed that he wasn't. Has like, like that's the, this important image of domesticity seems to be an like an maybe it's it's a part of you know the quote unquote straight world that he can. You know, sort of wholeheartedly
1: endorse or something. You've kind of just blown my mind because I always thought he was married to Mary Skene. Oh, that's
0: interesting. I thought they cohabitated but weren't married. Are we jump? Are we
1: dueling Wikipedia? This? Yeah, except I can't remember her spell her name. So,
0: uh, oh, it's uh, S
1: K R E N E S. Apparently, K-R-E-N-E-S, apparently. Yeah, sorry.
0: I was like S, and then I'm like, I can see the rest. <laughs> uh, of it does not words. say
1: anything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing no. it's Mm-hmm.
0: Do they mention his personal life
1: here? I don't know. I don't they know. Do. Man. Let's oh see God. if they do. It's just, this is just going to depress us. Actually, that's the thing. The Defenders actually really depressed me because throughout all of it, because it was so contemporary, I kept thinking, I wish he was making comics now. Oh, yeah. Like I I wish I could see what he would think about Occupy Wall Street. I wish I could see what he would think about the environment and about politics and everything that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there really was a sense of actually actively feeling his, the loss of not having yeah. him around
0: yeah which is which is interesting because you know as much as i adored his stuff from this era i didn't have such awesome luck following him into um his later era like i think the the series that i read the most of his was hard time Which I thought worked pretty well in a way because it was so... It didn't really... It seemed almost timeless. It didn't try and engage. But, like, he came back and did at least one, if not two, full killer miniseries for Marvel and did that Bizarro mini
1: for DC. Which I kind of love to read. I'd love to read I, Bizarro. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I should check it out I remember being like I picked up the first issue of it I was just kind of like uh, I mean,
1: Did you read Nevada? I, I did and I was I was really
0: uh,
1: Unimpressed with Nevada
0: I know exactly right I mean And this is from a guy who At, at that point in his life Was living in Vegas And somehow Just wasn't able to con- Convey it In any sort of Meaningful way You know Um it's like I adored his stuff, but I totally get why people kind of felt that he had become a shadow of his former self, you know? And I've always been curious as to why that's the case. Oh, that's just great. Somebody, can you hold on a yeah, second? Yeah, go on. Uh, we have to go see what that was going on. Hold on. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm still podcasting,
1: baby. Okay. If so we were have talking to, if we have anything that we should mm-hmm. keep for the opening of the podcast, it has yes. to be saying, "No, I'm still podcasting, baby."
0: <laughs> I was afraid that you would say, "Oh my God, somebody!" Oh, our friend Ryan just sent us two boxes of Malamars from New York. Oh, I can't believe I, wait, I that, got that, deviled that, eggs that and that Malamars good, right? on the same day. Okay, that, that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. I couldn't tell
1: from the. Oh. <laughs>
0: Man, I am shocked that you didn't know about my love of Malamars. I thought I were taking a picture. And, oh my god! Mm. Oh, that is fantastic. I am the luckiest dude alive. Are you, are you eating
1: Malamars um, right
0: now? Not yet. Got, I have some self. I have some <laughs> self control. Not much, but I have some. Um, yeah, I kind of thought that you. I was sort of trying to like spoof the uh, Hank Pym in my little like. You know, still podcasting, baby, but. Um, I don't think you.
1: You don't think I was using I, 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 I think that's the way you actually talk to uh,
0: that That's probably true. That's probably but true. There you oh, go. God, she, she is actually opening the Malamars in front of me. All right, hold on a second.
1: i I'm a Malamar. Mm hmm. You talk about Gerber. <laughs> perfectly. Oh, she you talk about Gerber. I'm busy eating Malamars. And that is the division of labor on today's podcast, listeners. Mm -hmm. This is the cold open right here, isn't it? It's just going to start with you crunching and saying. It is now. Mm -hmm. You talk about your. I'm just
0: going to eat Malamars. Go.
1: (laughs) This genuinely has become the weirdest, shoddiest podcast we've ever done, hasn't it? (laughs) There's the Malamars, the interruptions, there's the fact that. We both we both actually studied for this podcast and we can stay on topic for an hour. Mm. (laughs) We both both did homework. I mean really what what happens? (laughs) (laughs) I love you in my in our depends while eating. (laughs) (laughs) Dear listeners, we are so unprofessional, I'm so sorry.
0: Dude, I personally think that... Well, okay, this isn't... This is not professional. Uh, speaking <laughs> of which, I did hear that yeah. word balloon thing with Matt Fraction.
1: Oh, oh God, Fraction one. It's really weird, right? Like, it's oh, really... Yeah. We, weird is just the only way to put it. It's very uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, it's really uncomfortable. And it is a little odd. I mean, it's sort of... Part of me is... Um, I don't know. I, I kind of felt like uh, at a certain point I was... Um, I had moments of empathizing with Fraction at some points more than others because at some points he was... I don't know how to describe it. He was clearly... I felt he was trying to keep himself... Um, uh, what What's the word? Keeping himself relatively defensible by continuing to misunderstand the nature of... Uh, is it John, the host? Is that his yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. Of John's complaints by um, by kind of saying like, well, that's not me. That's Marketing Man. You know, I, I had all this other stuff. And, you know, he doesn't really get called very often. Um, the host tries of of saying like, no, but that's what you said. Like, you said this thing. Like, you actually said this. And I kind of felt what was being unspoken in this, the nature of this whole deal is the idea that Fraction, like most of these other guys, have to do this huge chunk of heavy-duty lifting as marketers for their own book. And yet, they're not fully to whatever... They don't have final say over how these books get marketed. But they, they have all the responsibility for it, so there's kind of a weird... Um, I don't know. Like Again, he I feel like he played that angle up so that he could be non accountable for the things that he technically was being you know accountable for but there were also times where i felt like he was you know he was sort of playing that point up more than actually dealing with what the host was trying to say you know
1: but i don't think he i don't think he was able to if that makes sense mm-hmm. deal with what the host was trying to say right right it's just it's just a very a very very odd Podcast. Sorry, I go.
0: No, no, no. I was going to say, like, the one thing that did strike me though is, is there is a point where Fraction is like, hey, you know what? Nobody hates me more than me. You know. Yeah, exactly. And, You're kind of
1: like and that again was when I was like, this is this is awkward.
0: <laughs> right. Well, yeah, because you put in that weird location of you know, and I think that is like, I don't know. I I don't think it's totally kosher for me to like. Weirdly, I'll say whatever I want about other comics writers. But when it comes to comic podcasters, um, you know, that guy was, he's he's a little glad-handy. He's a little disingenuous to me sounding, you know. So he's, I mean, because he's really trying to handle the talent. He's aware that he's handling the talent. He sounds like a professional radio guy in the way that he handles, you you know, it.
1: He, He is a professional radio guy.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's talking about it at one stage. So, yeah, I'm sure that he is and does. But I think that that also ends up working against him at some point because he never really comes out and says, he never quite lays all of his cards on the table.
1: You know what I mean? Well, no, that, it's funny you say that because I was listening to I was going to say that. I was listening to the, the Rob Liefeld interview he did yesterday. Uh-huh. Um, and Liefeld. Like Liefeld comes out swinging shall we say? Liefeld just comes right out and says Marvel is only concentrating on the Avengers because it owns the Avengers movie franchise. Mm-hmm. I was told he says, I was told point blank by Marvel Editor that Marvel will not create any new villains for the X Men because they do not have that merchandise. In. Mm. And that's a pretty ballsy thing to say. And honestly, I'm not, I'm not sure I believe it, but then at the same time, I then read Wolverine, the X-Men 2, and Uncanny X-Men 2, and I was like, so, Mr. Sinister and Krakow, the Living Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's about as old but, school as it yeah, gets. No, exactly. yeah. uh, but what's really interesting is John's response to that. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Lifehaw has really pretty much just been like, yeah, Marvel sold out. Fuck that." <laughs> man. <laughs> um... And he's like, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. And all I could think was, like, if the Mets and he's doing, he's talking to Axel Alonso. Hmm. Axel Alonso be like, so I was, t- you know, someone said this to me, and I was like, you're insane. And you can imagine him being like, yeah, yeah, yeah I see what you're saying.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I can see what you're saying, Grant. Yeah, I, no, see, I, see I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, right, there was there was
1: elements of that where he was like, yeah, you know, but, just but I, uh, think, I mean, we. We've talked on, on podcast, I think, about how you would never want to have an interview on in this podcast because it mm-hmm. was really awkward. I, mm-hmm. I think it's part of doing the interview. I think you, you can't, unless you are prepared to have your interview turned into a really uncomfortable situation, you, ha- right. you well, have exactly. to have the talent. And the fraction one was like three quarters of the way of being in an uncomfortable situation anyway. And mm-hmm. nothing controversial had been asked. Yeah. It was the sort of yeah, yeah. yeah. Conversation where you kind of felt that the guy could have been like, So, I write for i and not Fracton immediately would have been like, Yeah, I don't like the way you're saying that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it was that it was that awkward to begin with. So you know, glad yeah. handing I can totally see why you did it.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. Because you're in that situation where you have to. I mean, unless you're going to be kind of, you know, you you've got like kind of a heart of ice and in addition, you are comfortable enough, um, like, you know, you are you are such a figurehead of the podcast industry that you're still going to have people come on the air and talk to you anyway, you know, like, but that's, you know, clearly not the case. And I mean, I, like I said, it doesn't even matter to me. Like, even if we did one interview, I just, I would, I don't want the other person to feel uncomfortable. On the other hand, I just don't like the, I hate, I always really hate when I end up being Mr. Super placated, especially on things like this
1: that sort of matter. Like, I'm glad that no, 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 I know, I know, I I hate when I'm doing interviews and I'm like, uh huh, uh huh. And internally, I might be like, I completely disagree with you. But I, I mean, I've done this, I've done this really recently for a Techland. Thing that wasn't even an interview. I did a story for Techland, uh, mm-hmm. and then afterwards, one of the things I was uh, one of the companies I was writing about were like, we really have to talk to you. Like, they were very, we have to talk to you. Um, And I was like, sure, this is awkward and horrible and unpleasant. Um, And we had the conversation and it was, I just disagreed with what they're saying entirely. But I also didn't want to have a confrontation and also didn't think it was important enough, if that makes sense. Right. It was one of those, I'm not going to change your mind. So I'm just going to let you say what you need to say. Is but but it's,
0: Because we talked about the Stephen Wacker stuff on air on the last podcast, so I feel like we can kind of mention that here, which is sort of similar in a way.
1: Yes, I, although I, my since then, I, there was Stephen Wacker Part 2, Slight, Slight Return, which um, which really fucking weird. Tell me. It was like two days, two days later? No, it was after the weekend. It was after that weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so this happened on the Thursday of the last week we talked. Um, and then the following it was either Monday or Tuesday I am talking to Al Kennedy from House Astonish on Twitter uh-huh. and Steven just starts trolling me <laughs> in, in that conversation wow which was the weirdest thing um, so it was about Mark Miller saying that you know Distro Comics he doesn't like Game Day because he thinks it's killing comics right. and I hadn't read that at that point I'd read the headline Mm -hmm. And I said to Al, like, I've not even read that yet because I know it's going to get me annoyed and I've got things to do. Right. And Steve O'Reilly was like, oh, surprise. And then he gets into a conversation with Al Kennedy. And then halfway through the conversation with Al Kennedy, he's like, you sound like you're agreeing with Mark Miller. Better watch out or Graham's going to be pissed. And it was kind of like, what what have I done? (laughs) (laughs) Where is this coming from that I'm getting trolled? I like he, but he wow. didn't just say my name. He said, like, my Twitter handle. So it would show right. up in my feed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like, it was intentionally trolling. It was right. really weird. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, that's pretty creepy. I mean, I'm sure that in a way he was like, well, I, you know, it just didn't seem right for me to, like, you know. Talk about you behind your back, so I'm a big fan, and you know. But it,
1: was all, but it was also like there was no reason to talk about me at all at that point. Like, no, right. it was from out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, definitely, he was there to to, to sucker punch. But
1: it, but it was really weird, and that's honestly left me really paranoid about Twitter ever since. Genuinely, wow. like Greg Rocket started following me on Twitter a few days afterwards, and I, honest to God, was like, Am I being set up for something? Mm-hmm. And I love Greg Rocket. Mm -hmm. I think he's Mm an amazing writer I think he's a really smart guy I actually uploaded like three old podcast interviews with him That I'd never heard Just because I was like I really like listening to him talk So it's not Mm -hmm. like I was like Well Greg Ruck is a dick But I honestly was just like You know I know that Ruck is working with Stephen Walker I honestly am wondering if Stephen Walker was like Hey, this guy's a dick. You should follow him and insult him. You should
0: totally follow him and we can, like, make him cry.
1: honestly. And I saw that and I was like, am I being set up for something? I genuinely thought that. And every single day I've been on Twitter, I've been scared of getting, like, weird blacker trolling. Because I don't know what I'd do if he kept it up. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Right.
0: Well, which is going to sound awesome when we put this on iTunes. Hooray! I I know. I'm like, I just made your life uncomfortable. (laughs)
1: Uh, No, again. No, but really, you know, I know I have friends who work for Stephen Walker. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, feeling awkward about talking to them. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It it just became this really weird thing that I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, we had this disagreement. I didn't take it personally, but I have the horrible feeling you did. I I don't know what to do with this now. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I suppose you could drop
1: him a note, but I just... I, yeah, but, but at the same time, like, I can't imagine what I could say that would make him feel any better. Do you know what I mean? Right,
0: right, right. No, 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 I think it would just have to be one of those things where, like, maybe just by the fact that you're approaching him, he, like, kind of thinks that you're
1: not... I don't I don't know. Like, I, he, he tweeted me in the middle of that weekend that I didn't see at the time, otherwise I would have responded. But it's mm-hmm. it was something like, oh, because I made an analogy about damaging reputation, whether I was damaging Joe Madure's reputation uh, mm-hmm. things. I said, again, I didn't reference Stephen Marker, but I said I I've I talking to Augie about it on Twitter mm-hmm. and I was like, it's funny, this comes from the company that did that to Becky Clunan."
0: Oh yeah, right, which is a point that we had made, I think, in the
1: podcast Yeah, I, th- I think you're the one who actually reminded me of it um, mm-hmm. and he was like you made a mistake, Graham, no trying to be light of it. This says as much about you as when you told me you asked me not to reveal your errors. And I don't like I, I did the opposite. I asked you what I'd done wrong. Like that is the opposite of saying please don't reveal my errors. But yeah, again, yeah, yeah. I was like, maybe he's put not in there by mistake. <laughs> maybe he thinks I'm someone else. Do you know what I mean? But I also, yeah. I also just didn't want to ask. I didn't want mm-hmm. to go back into that weird stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's pretty messed up, man. Jeez. I, I, I'm like, I don't even know what to do, so I'm going to eat another Malamar.
1: I totally think you should. Sorry, listeners, for me. just. I don't know. Uh, if you keep I- apologizing
0: for them, they'll think that Malamars are not good, and they're amazing.
1: No, I was apologizing for me just going on about my weird <laughs> Twitter feud that I didn't mean to have.
0: Okay, but this is the thing, and maybe I'm completely wrong, is I feel... If you're not going to do the professional John of Word Balloon, I'm going to mollycoddle my guess. And, well, mollycoddle the wrong word because it sounds pejorative. But I'm going to softball my guess. Which oh, also exclusive. Pure. It Yeah, but softball is a little closer to the truth. I guess <laughs> no, mollycoddle I, I, just I, makes it sound like you're, you know, I don't know what the word is. Like, you're either going to have interviews with professionals, which, and everything that comes with that, <clears throat> Or you're going to be talking to a guy eating Malamar who almost choked to death on his own saliva. <laughs> and it seems to me like... Please don't.
1: No, but you know. I, I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, it just feels really... I don't know. It feels really odd. And it's not the first time I've had conflict from creators. And in fact, when we talked about this last time, was this in the middle of like every, everyone going weird on Twitter and the internet in general? Like a uh, from for my fanboy getting the shit kicked out of him by creators when he talked about the Marvel oh, the Death list yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And shit, something else happened at the same time. Well, because there was like there was like three things. That
0: thing that was the big deal of like, hey, sales numbers. It's nobody's business, you know. Like it's like a picture. Of, you're asking for a picture of my privates, and I'm kind of like. That's the worst analogy I've ever heard in my life, which I think other people sort of went on to discuss, but you're talking right around that period, right? Yes.
1: Like it was within, like, a week. Mm-hmm. People just went, creators kind of went crazy. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in the sense of they're all mad, but in the sense right. of uh, all right. of a sudden, everyone seemed hypersensitive. Yes. Well... Uh, which, is, which tied into what you had said recently.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Essentially, around the idea of everything is so touchy and uncertain right now yeah that everyone the, the, is so on edge
0: yeah yeah the siege mentality um and did you want to talk because you'd mentioned the optimism bias oh the optimism uh, bias a- yeah
1: which is i do i have it anywhere nearby hang on i'm going to see if i can find the book um i do the optimism bias by Tali Sharuk, subtitled mm-hmm. a tour of the irrationally positive brain which is a great book A really, really good book, Um, but talks about the illusions that we all put ourselves through basically in order to survive. Right. And also talks about something called the superiority illusion.
2: Mm.
1: And the superiority illusion is this. We all think to some degree or another that we are better than other people Mm -hmm. because we are ourselves. Apparently it has been scientifically proven that people do not think that they are biased because they know their own thought process. Mm -hmm. Whereas they judge other people's biases based upon what they say. Mm -hmm. So you you also have like a defense of, well, even Mm -hmm. if I said that, I didn't really mean it. Right. As opposed to that person said that thing, and it's terrible. Right.
0: Or the flip side of it, which is when somebody tells you Uh, something positive about yourself you tend to take it at face value and ignore all the times when you've told positive things to other people for reasons that aren't necessarily true i don't know if she mentions that but that's one that i spend a lot of time going oh god yes you know (laughs) like you know and which isn't to say that i totally like lie everyone to everyone and, and butter them up but there are times when like um like when I try to to produce like constructive criticism of of a work and it 's like I always make it a point to include positive points in there, but sometimes I overplay those parts to to make the other person feel a little more comforted, and I realize that you know based on my own experience and admittedly not everyone's as uh, insecure and needy as me, I tend to like take any word of validation as gospel. And then, you know, like, I'm kind of like, maybe I don't really have to oversell this.
1: Oh, I, I, no, I, I, that's so funny. I go completely the opposite way. Oh, really? If you're giving me a a positive critique on something, Mm -hmm. I will immediately, on the negative, yes, I will immediately assume that anything positive you're saying is basically they're it, it's like the, the language version of a pity fuck you're trying to make <laughs> because everything else is so bad I, I always have always have been like that I, wow. I cannot take compliments well at
0: all that's true we're both very bad at that but apparently for very different reasons which I find fascinating so wow interesting that, that and here's why we've done sixty five podcasts.
1: Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway. So the the, positive, the spiritor, superiority illusion mm-hmm. um, seems seemed very opposite considering some of the recent online altercations I've seen, including my own. Right. Um, but also, I and elsewhere in the book it talks about how we create our own sense of reality and how we judge other people's realities through our experience etc yes and I think that's what happens with, with with comics I think all of a sudden the siege mentality in comics the the, the, the idea because I I find it nearly impossible to believe what Steve mark was saying in regards to Marvel has not changed right I think just reality shows that to be the case um yeah. But I think because of that change, Mm -hmm. I think there's a hypersensitivity about this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you can't can't be... It's really funny. There was... I don't know if you remember, one of the reasons that people were getting at Ron's comment about sales Mm -hmm. was the the idea that if you hint that a book is cancelled, then no one will read it. Right. And then... The other day, I saw people basically hyping up the fact that Ghost Rider issue six is out. And it's the beginning of a brand new storyline. It's like, Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider is cancelled in two months. Right. Ghost Rider finishes in issue eight. Yeah. And someone said that. Someone said, Why should I read this? Mm-hmm. It's getting cancelled in two months. And they're like, Well, it might come back. Stay tuned. And it's this just... weird, like, What?
0: Yeah, but this is and this is the thing that's weird is like when when you said when you mentioned that or when um, you know again when people were saying like yeah if you say that a book is going to be cancelled uh, people will immediately stop buying the book I've never bought into that mentality maybe because I just read so many books that are like I read them for the enjoyment and assume they will be cancelled but I absolutely know talking to Hibbs that he has said as much you know, See, that find, like, that,
1: I find that kind of stunning, but I really think it bears investigation because mm-hmm. I actually looked back at um, sales for mm-hmm. the DC books between the announcement of the new 52 Leels.
0: Yeah, but that's a weird one.
1: That's It no, really is, but also case. I looked back for the Marvel books that have been cancelled. Okay. And they fall, but they don't fall significantly more than they were fallen before. Mm-hmm. There's never a massive drop. Mm hmm. Mm
2: hmm.
1: And that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the opinion. part that I'm missing. Like, I understand that people are dropping off, but at what point are they dropping off more than they would have been dropping off before? Right. I don't see that effect reflecting the orders. But at the same time, the orders aren't the final sales. Right. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like the retailers, yeah, yeah, still yeah. The the ordering retailers
0: might... Yeah, the sale through might just plummet or something for them. I don't know. Is your point, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and there's no... There's no, you know, proof or disproof of that because mm-hmm. there's no final sales figures, mm-hmm. which is continuing on. But it's the way the industry works. Yeah. So it's it's this weird hearsay. I knew you'll always get it from publishers, which is you don't know the sales figures. Right.
0: But you- yeah, I'm just tired of that. I really am. I'm like, okay, we don't. But if you're not going to tell us, no, exactly.
1: From. Like, yeah. it's it's a uh, it's a really not invalid. That is kind of invalid argument. If you know them and you're not going to tell us,
0: yeah, it's like, you know, and it's it's one of those things where like I don't think anyone is going to. But yeah, but at that point I'm like, okay, then just just leave the discussion. You know, it's one of the things that's always driven me up a wall for like um, you know because. Because it seemed like there was – I always think of it – I always associate it with Brian Wood just because it seemed like there was a period where Brian Wood was going in and doing that really consistently uh, whenever they were talking about D.C. sales numbers over at the Beat. And and yet would ne- – or, you know, or I was seeing it on – God, was I actually following his blog? I don't know. But there was some point where it just seemed like he would – always complain about it, and yet, of course, never really say. He would just be like, but I can assure you that these numbers... And it's just like, man, people just have to... Because you're never going to change anyone. You're never going to change anyone's... Like, no one's ever going to hear that and be like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's no, I, don't, I totally
1: think you are. You do? Yes. Oh, interesting. And the reason I think that's going to happen is... I think there is... Uh I was going to say voracious, and that's totally not the right word. There's an audience out there mm-hmm. who wants to know about the industry. Right. And so will believe the bloggers and the commenters to an mm-hmm. extent. But as soon as a creator says something, even if that is an outright lie and provable as such, <coughs> yeah. they will believe them. Right. Right. Like when the, the the whole um, Marvel announcing that they were the first company who'd ever gone line-wide day and date. Right. Which is, I mean, yeah. you can actually prove that is a lie.
0: Yeah, that is not even
1: true. So, but people are like, well, they said it. It's like, sure, <laughs> they said it. I, they, can, they, I can prove that that is not the case. Yeah. But yeah. they're like, well, why would they put it in a press release if it's not true? And it, it really is that mentality.
0: Wow, that's amazing
1: to me. No, it's it's amazing to me, but it's there.
0: No, 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 and I'm not. I'm of course, needless to say, I'm not. Yeah, contradicting you. I'm just
1: don't you contradict me. <laughs>
0: Don't you dare! Oh, why I oughta! I feel like we should somehow be able to bring that back to Steve Gerber's Defenders somehow.
1: But. <laughs> We've left Steve Gerber's Defender.
0: I know, so, but let's we, just say we loved it. Uh, I enjoyed reading those issues, and I, actually I, I enjoyed I think, reading the Dave Kraft stuff too. Well, yes, yeah,
1: so. I, I love those issues, and it reminded me why I love the Defender so much.
0: Yeah, yeah. Why well, it's really just amazing stuff. It's it's a real a real pinnacle from an era that i, I truly adore so it's kind of interesting it has me somewhat trepidatious about revisiting some of this stuff because again the thing that i was really relieved by was uh reading the gerber stuff i'm like god this is so good but how do i know i'm not just reading it through the lens of nostalgia i guess and then i got to the dave Kraft and geffen stuff
1: and you're like oh this is- isn't that good
0: Oh, I was really well. I was like, oh, what a relief. Like I can see parts that I'm fond of it for, but at best, the parts that like the best they can get is some of the stuff that works, works because it doesn't work, I guess. You know, like the, the whole like the fact that, you know, who is Scorpio is this whole storyline that is about this guy who's a big failure. Like, it kind of is fitting that the storyline doesn't quite add up and is kind of a failure and has a lot of misplaced emotion to it when it's really about, you know, an emotionally depressed supervillain, which I still adore. I kind of love the way they did that. It was such a different take. Even even from the way that I think Gerber would have done something like that. So, um, so I still love that stuff. I'm so glad I read it. But it does make me worry about what other gems from the era I should revisit, like, I sort of, like, I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> you know, I'm sort of, it, I don't it, think it will be this good again, I think.
1: Does it make you nervous or excited for the relaunch? Because I said this on Twitter and you pretty much me to shut up and save it for the oh, podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I knew there was a
0: question. Yeah, you know, the relaunch is, uh, I think this is my problem, is, is I feel that, um, I feel that Fraction's a lazy riffer frankly. I don't think that he riffs us. I can see him reading this stuff and being like, yeah, this is where it's at, baby like, 70's Marvel, hell yes, and I'm doing, like, I'm gonna be working Marvel method, and you know a lot of the stuff that he talked about at the tail end of Word Balloon. On the one hand, I think it's great that he's going there, I just but I, I also feel like it's going to be, I feel like his stuff is, for a guy who's really hard on himself, he seems easily pleased, you know or else uh, he just gets to a point where he can't... Or, think. or he's very happy with self-loathing.
1: Have you thought well, about yeah. that?
0: Yeah, uh, well, I, I, happy isn't the right word, but yeah.
1: Um, I, 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 I'm, I, I find know. myself really... I find myself excited and kind of hating myself for being excited. I Because <laughs> I feel like I'm just setting myself up for disappointment. But the thing is, if it really is more like his Casanova than his other Marvel work I could see myself really liking it See, I it's thought... whether it could ever be like, more like his Casanova given his other Marvel work
0: right well it's, to me the, 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 the closest the only star I'm willing to, to steer by at this point is his Doctor Strange story in the point one which I didn't think was that good I thought it was kind of kind of dull. It had some really interesting ideas in it and a couple of nice panels, but it was kind of I, I thought it was really again easily pleased with itself and kind of dull. So I can't help but feel that that's what going to be what we're going to get. I don't know. Did you like it? Am I? Do you, do
1: no, you I, I was like fairly it? dissatisfied with it as well. But also, I cut, I cut out cut a lot of slack, I guess, because it was a preview. I think there was there was a definite part of me that was. I'm not really feeling this, but maybe if it's a full issue. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, like I said, cool. p- I'm, part of me really thinks I'm just setting myself up for disappointment. And even thinking, maybe it could be good. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's such a weird <laughs> thing to get excited about a book and simultaneously be like, you're an idiot for getting excited.
0: Well, no, I think there is, you know, that's that, that that is the human condition, at least among us comic folk. I do think that one of the things that I, I did like when we mentioned that we were going to be talking about this um, uh, is in in the comments uh, to our podcast, um, the, the comments thread. I think, let me see, I really wanted to get to the name because I thought it was really a good point. Um, blue, blue, blue. It was, oh, am I not going to find it? It's going, it was basically where somebody was like, you know, the idea of, you know, comics are only going, like, Steve Gerber said that not every comic is going to be a hit, you know, just by the nature of how they get put out. Um, Let's see, where did he say that? Uh, right, it's actually Carrie said this. An old Gerber maxim comes to mind. Didn't he once say that readers shouldn't expect a perfect comic every month and that the rigors of monthly production work against that theory? Well, I understand that some comics are just bad or misconceived or even simply don't work. Do we expect too much from our comics? Discuss. And I think that's kind of a good point. I, like, I think we do. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of had that point of like, yeah, I think I think he's probably right. Like, I don't know if I ever picked up... I mean, that's the thing. When you're a kid and you're picking up a comic book, it's it, it really has to be kind of shitty for you to be really, really disappointed. You know what I mean? It's sure, but, do, but do, it's you weigh your, do
1: you weigh your current comic reading against your kid comic reading?
0: I don't know. I almost feel like I can't help... What? I mean, I, I think that's the thing. It's always this weird melange of there's a nostalgia factor, there's the factor that, of the stuff that I love that I sort of want to read again, and then there's the idea of, like, the stuff that I'm reading now. I mean, as you pointed out, like, Fraction's a really good example of, like, do you do you look at this by virtue of his Casanova work, which you love, or his Marvel work, which is mostly disappointing, you know? It's like, where... To, where You know, you can do that with, unfortunately, with most of these authors on the same spectrum. You know, like, there's stuff that I adored by Bendis, and I feel like that's the stuff that I'm trying to gauge other Brian Bendis comics by, and I feel they don't measure up, and that's usually when I start bitching and complaining. But I have to admit, like, around the time that Ennis... Uh, was big, and Ellis uh, as well. Um, I thought they were good, but I really had this thing of like, "Ah, these guys aren't all that. It sort of feels like these guys are really being praised to the skies by people who haven't been reading comics for 20 years. But part of me is like, that's totally fair, and completely okay, and in some of their cases, uh, I'm not right, that they have done some truly, truly great work. And they've also done some real clunkers. So... Um, so yeah, I think I do expect too much from my comics There is that idea of like But I do have this feeling of like When it's 99 cents on Comicsology, I'm amazed by how much lower my standards drop You know, like it's just
1: <laughs> Boom,
0: like I'm serious I, was no, I, them- I totally get it I remember I told
1: you that I thought point .1 was okay But I got it for free Right, right,
0: exactly You know, like I read this I bought this comic called Octavia Trilogy uh, which I can look that up on Comicsology since I've got my little thing. And it uh, was 99 cents and 57 pages, black and white art, and the guy obviously grew up as a huge... Uh, what's the word? A huge EC Comics fan. And, man, it was not good. But it was a pretty enjoyable bet. Terrible. You know what I mean? And part of it was... It was 57 pages of nice art for what I think is, uh, you know, was arguably a more than fair rate. Or the absolutely terrible Nancy in Hell number one by Juan Jose. Oh, God,
1: I also read it because it's free and it's atrocious. (laughs) It is atrocious.
0: But, you know, I read it, and I was like, wow, this is junk. But I I was kind of like, there's a good idea or two. You know, I didn't put down the book angry. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't I was pretty close to putting
1: down the book angry, and that's a terrible book.
0: Really? See, I was like, that's so funny that you read it, and believe me, Octavia Trilogy is... Worse? I don't know. I take it back. It is a really hideous book.
1: I, 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 will, I will read almost everything that looks even vaguely not vomit-inducing that is free on Comixology. <laughs> uh, but That's I, a lot of stuff I haven't read. But even. I made a mistake mm-hmm. uh, of Thinking that Nancy in Hell was not momentful interesting, it's terrible.
0: It is terrible. I do have to say, I definitely read it and went, "Well, that was a mistake." But <laughs> I really did. I was I like, oh. it's "Great,
1: it's getting a second series." I, I know, I know. Nancy I mean, in Hell on Earth,
0: but you know that's because that's because this stuff was totally. It's just being republished, you know, like it's being republished by Image, but like the fact that it's el torres and juan jose reap like this stuff was originally well wait was it let me see if i can... No, I think,
1: I think this is all original image stuff
0: i thought this was published somewhere else beforehand but maybe let's not. let's see yeah because i'm looking at the page and of course the little Comicsology controls are blocking up the um but yeah no i uh, you're probably right no, I, I, think, I, I
1: honestly co- think it's all new
0: it's copyright 2010 holy shit that's really depressing. Wow. Okay. And it's just
1: it's just appalling. Like it's really terrible.
0: Oh, it's so terrible. Isn't it bad? Like the thing that's rough for me is is I kind of like Juan Jose Rips' work. Like I think you know it's as a cheap version of Jeff Darrow. It it kind of works for me the Steven Spielbergo so to speak uh, of of Jeff Darrow imitators. I'm okay with it, but but wow, yeah, that book was it was such a turd. It like made no sense. And of course it was just awful crotch shots. See, this is it. I look at it and I'm still like, Graham, no, this was originally published in Europe and those those G strings were not on there. But you're you're probably right. <laughs> Holy shit, so depressing. Anyway, yes, Nancy and Hell. Terrible, and yet honestly, I like I said, I was like, it was free. I really... Admittedly, it has kept me from reading other free comics. <laughs> There's a lot of... I have not come back, so maybe it has terrified me off. But I do feel like, you know... Yeah, there there is a thing where it's like... Part of me is like, I want to read The Defenders and I want to like it. And part of me is also like, I'm not going to... um I just know that it's going to be harder for me to like at three ninety nine. dollars 99 well, no, it
1: would be that, like at two ninety nine. That's true, because I mean, the, the X-Men comics I bought, I bought both of them because I liked the first issues to varying degrees. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'll see if I like the second issue. And in both cases, both these comics are probably better than any of the DC comics I bought yesterday. Mm-hmm. But because the DC comics were a dollar cheaper, I'm more likely to buy the DC comics again. Because I just felt... Yeah, the the X-Men comics were flimsier and it's this weird thing like I'm no longer rewarded quality (laughs) well but they're not charging you based
0: on quality you know what I mean like it's this weird thing of yeah it would be it's something you have to keep in mind because I do have to you know when I've had friends quote unquote lend me comics and I've read them I'm like that's not such a bad comic and I'm like it's because you paid nothing for it you know, it has to be at a level where you honestly feel like it wasted your time before you start thinking like this wasn't that great. But you know, a really good comic, you know, if Marvel should be the ones going like, you know, this is a really good comic, it should be $2.99 because it will sell. You know, but they don't. But, but they're like, they oh, no.
1: yeah, of course they won't. Like Marvel's you know? company doesn't lower its digital prices after a month. Oh, I know,
0: I know, it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, it's kind of funny when they had their little Ultimate Spider-Man sale the other day on Monday, I think it was their Cyber Monday Ultimate Spider-Man sale it was precisely what I had been, you know, bitching about them not doing, you know, they finally moved into the DC thing of pushing a whole bunch of issues, you know, all at once uh, for a very low price and I was like no way
1: guys (laughs) No, it's so funny because I did the Fantastic Four sale as well well, mm, they're right. Like, it's all of Hickman's run, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I was like, "Oh, maybe." And then I was like, "No," because if I'm gonna continue, mm-hmm. going to continue, it's going to be—I mean, it's going to be what, eight dollars a month? Because there's no two books. Wow, that's—and right. then if they double ship,
0: <laughs> right? Which they want to do, right, right, right. Oh my God, can you imagine? You're right. The idea of actually paying sixteen dollars in a month for like one title, and that title being the Fantastic Four, is. I mean, like, you're getting four issues of it, but that's just, that is not good.
2: It's just,
1: yeah, no, it's they're... kind of crazy. Like, the whole double shipping thing is really weird because I totally understand the idea of, well, you're, you know, it, you're getting your favorite comic twice a month. Right. But also, I don't know, there's just something, there's just something weird about it, I guess, because it seems so random. It doesn't seem to be like, well, we're, you know, we'll publish twice this month. And then we'll publish one time for the next three months. Then we'll publish, you know, they're they're not telling you. They're like, we're just going to publish more than twelve issues, right?
0: Won't tell you when. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like they're because you know they're probably going to you know ship like four issues of Spider Man on the last month of their quarter if they haven't hit their numbers. You know, it's just it's I I the thing that I find fascinating is is again for me I'm like. I, I you saw the quality uh take a hit I think in Morrison's new X-Men. For me that's the classic example of that book came out, you know, bi-weekly, but it it kind of it it suffered as a result. Like the closest I I've come to seeing a book that I felt was um published on a regular basis, you know, more than monthly. Um, I didn't. I didn't follow the Spider-Man Brand New Day stuff. But there was a period where Brian Bendis uh, and Mark Bagley were doing it on Ultimate Spider-Man, and Bendis was so far ahead on his scripts that for like three or four months it was really enjoyable. And then when they caught up to him, because you have to at that publication rate, mm-hmm. his he just he didn't his scripts weren't they weren't ironed out. They it wasn't you know it was just kind of a mess.
1: It's, it's a weird thing because with the publication schedule being up from once a month, they're, mm-hmm. they're dealing with it on an artistic point of view by being like, we'll have revolving artists, but not in a right. writer point of view. And I think that's where the... I think ultimately that's where the quality is going to come from or not. Well, you followed
0: more of and here we go, it's like saying Beetlejuice three times. You you followed Steven Wacker's uh, brand new day, Spider-Man, and that had complete Rotating teams.
1: Yes. That has like different writers and different artists.
0: Yeah. So that is, would you say that's about as successful as you're going to get for that kind of model? Yes.
1: Or, okay. I I don't know. Because I mean, there are probably writers who could handle 12 to 18 issues of one book a year. Right. There are probably more likely writers who can handle doing that many pages but don't have that much story. Mm
0: hmm. Well, yeah, I think that's... the problem.
1: And I, I think that's where we're heading. I think we're heading right. to stories that ideally would be three issues will suddenly become five.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Right. Yeah, because that, that I think, is that is a really good point. I mean, because the Lord knows, like, Bendis, when he was doing all this stuff, more or less helped usher in the, the, the decompressed era, as we think of it, I think.
1: And it's funny, because I feel that comics... Are moving out of decompression, mm-hmm. and I think that single issues are becoming more of an object in and of themselves again. Right, but I think upping a publication schedule is the quickest way to derail your book.
0: hmm mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Well, and I'm fascinated by the the number of you know, like how many times this the the X Men number two is. I can't even believe that it had that many artists and that's right on the heels of the Incredible Hulk having as many artists as it did and that just seems like it seems like just an invitation for disaster when we talked about Journey into Mystery which as I I started off like loving that book and I'm quite fond of it still but I feel that the rotating cast of artists so that it could do it's like stealth um, you know uh bi-weekly publication didn't really do it a lot of favors.
1: No, and I think there's going to be an awful lot more of that. But at the same time, it's not just Marvel. DC are doing it too. How many many of the New 52 have actually had one artist an issue? And it's the same artist Mm -hmm. for all three issues so far. Right. Not that many. Right.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, of course, they had that really... DC...
1: DC, DC really
0: did that horrible launch.
1: So. Sure, but at the same time, it's you. Uh, I feel it's disingenuous to say this is only a Marvel problem. That is definitely true. I, I, that said, I feel it's more of a Marvel problem because Marvel has historically been like, we will keep the book late. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, given the given the choice, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I even did that in NewsRama today. Uh, I found the the Brewer quote where he said that late books were less harmful the books with villains for sales. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously that's not the approach now.
0: Well, yeah, because they have said that, but I mean, you know, he was saying that back in the fact of, you know, while Brian Hibbs was trying to loudly yell in Marvel's ear that that wasn't the case, you know, and and on behalf of a lot of retailers who didn't think that that was the same, because again, it was their thing was totally, you know, Marvel had that weird period where they published books late and it just seemed to help, you know? Like I rem- help was? Well, no, I mean like Kevin Smith's Daredevil would be so... I remember when that book was coming out, there were issues where it was so late that, that, that the critical backlash on the book... Would actually have time to break and a new groundswell of enthusiasm would grow for the next issue. You know what I mean? Or like Ultimates was the same thing, where it's like it would be so long between issues. Like, at, you know, rather than coming out the next month, you know, at two months you're like, man, where's the Ultimates? And at three months you're like, you know what? This story is bullshit. It's complete crap. You know? I can't even, like, looking at it now, like I've had three months to read this issue already. Mark Miller is just doing coke and like watching like late night cable you know and then at like five months five and a half months six months you're like man I kind of miss the ultimates I wonder when that issue is <laughs> going to come out again and then it'd come out and everybody would be like it's great you know and I just really feel like if it had come in at the three month four month period it would have gotten pilloried but you know it was so late people were
1: actually happy to see it again sure but if it had come in a monthly period it would have been even better
0: yeah, I agree. And people would have sold more they would have sold twelve issues instead of six in a year and they would have I mean, that's it. That's really all Marvel cares about. I think they're like you know, now it's like we've gotta get those twelve issues out because six issues of
1: Spider Man at a hundred thousand issues
0: is Less than twelve issues of Spider-Man at eighty-five thousand issues.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think the math has suddenly been like, oh, that's that's the way to go. But it's it's a really it's an odd thing to see. I guess such a public change in direction that is not acknowledged. I guess
0: <laughs> not acknowledged. According, uh, it looks like it sounds like from your your based on your uh, conversation with Stephen <laughs> Wacker, people are like. It's the ultimate of acknowledged. It's being actively shunted away from. You know, it's like no, we've always been this way. It's always been
1: no, exactly. That's what I mean. Like Marvel has never changed. It's like yeah, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, as as the great Paul O'Brien once said, I can prove it to you with graphs. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So sadly, you actually can. It's it's a really. Hey, okay, I should probably say it, seeing as everyone else is talking about it. Watchmen 2, interested, not interested?
0: Oh, yeah, man, that's a toughie. Um, you know, honestly, part of me is like, once it was Andy Kubert on art, I don't know, I, I'm really conflicted about it. Part of me is like, I don't, I know. I know it's going to clear that first hurdle, which is, if I walk into the store and it's out, am I going to walk over, pick it up, and flip through it? And the answer is yes, obviously. But, uh, you know, but as much from the idea of like, you know, like, am I going to see sacrilege and blasphemy? I honestly, I just don't care. I don't really see that there's much reason for it to, to exist other than to up DC sales lines and or to try and get Alan Moore to have an aneurysm. Neither of which I feel like supporting, you know,
1: you know, when I'm have an aneurysm, come on. <laughs>
0: I don't. I still like the guy. I, you know, I do. Um, yeah, I don't know. So to me, it's just been this non-issue. I really, I got to give Rich Johnson the props for, you know, breaking the story, growing the story, and sticking to his guns on the story. Like, you know, because I don't know if it's really, is anyone breaking any original news, or are they just following his lead?
1: They're all just following his lead. Everything yeah, so- has come from him, which... I kind of think it would be hilarious if he's completely making it up oh yeah you know what I mean like, like if it's some yeah. sort of weird hilarious practical joke he's playing it would be yeah. great it
0: would be fantastic it'd be even better if at one point DC's like you know what we totally weren't going to do this but look at the traffic he's getting for this well, there's so much interest
1: what in this I kind of love out. is him doing this has pretty much dispelled the backlash like oh, at this yeah. point I feel like we're into the backlash to the backlash I think it's people being like well maybe it's not going to be that bad Just, Right. You know I mean exactly. I like they, they must love him for doing this they must because, because yeah any, people any like internet wide <laughs> how can you do this has gone because we've been talking about it for months exactly they haven't even announced it and we're
0: already I'm already at the stage of like man I'm I yeah I'm already tired of what Darwin Cook is bringing to this, you know, and he's not bringing it. Who knows? It's not even him. Exactly. Like,
1: it's, it's like, but that's like Darwin Cook being involved is what makes me think that maybe it's not going to be completely pointless because I just don't think Darwin Cook would get involved in something that is that cynical and worthless.
0: <laughs> oh I know. I just, uh, he worked for work no. For he said things like that. <laughs> I mean, he said things like that. Yeah. 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 No, no. 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 I don't know. It's very interesting to me. Like Darwin Cook would not do that for like the cynical reasons of just making money on the other hand if like Darwin Cook was at a con or like he went to like have Indian food with like Alan Moore and he said to Alan Moore pass the chutney and Alan Moore didn't hear him and didn't pass the chutney and Darwin Cook thought he was being snubbed and decided that he was going to write Watchmen 2 and write the fuck out of it to give Alan Moore an aneurysm I could see Darwin Cook doing that
1: First of all, congratulations on starting the podcast feud without with Darwin Cook. Uh, which I, also, let sh- me read I'm some sure more. Board. from chapter two of the so continuing confused.
0: adventures of Darwin Cook, which is my extensive fanfic diary that I don't think that I've really shared with you much, Graham. <laughs> but it's fantastic because it's like seventy-three chapters long, and there's an epic love scene with him and Ed Brubaker that made me cry. <laughs>
1: Oh no!
0: <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like I don't. I like uh, part of me is like Darwin Cook. Like as much as I've loved the majority of the work that he does, there's no guarantee. Like you know, like honestly, he did a, he did a very nice job of with Will Eisner's The
1: Spirit. But I I loved The Spirit. I loved Parker. I loved the New Frontier. Honestly, I I there is very few things that I have not loved of cooks Mm -hmm. and i can't think of anything offhand that i've not thought represented a certain level of i don't know craft yeah professionalism enjoyment whatever
0: yeah no i i I, on the one hand i totally get it but on the other hand i'm like because i like the spirit stuff okay but i didn't think it was awesome you know it's because you're dead
1: inside yeah that's that's right (laughs) And we, we've it been through somebody. this.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That is true. You're right. Actually, you know, actually, Graham, that is like the third podcast that you've mentioned that <laughs> on. Now I'm starting to where you actually do think this. It's amazing how <laughs> dense I am. I'm like, oh, Graham. And now I'm like, holy shit, he really thinks I'm dead inside. I'll prove him wrong after my nap and some malamars. Uh, <laughs> I think you know. I
1: think the fact that your to proves you're not dead inside is a nap in malamars proves that you're not dead inside. I would
0: like to think so, too, but, you know, I was expecting you to go, oh, that just shows you're only dead inside about comics, and then I'd be like, O'Glaff! <laughs> um, I don't know, so... oh O'Glaff! Oh, I, I... Yeah, Watchmen too. I'm kind of...
1: Like, I guess I'm glad it's not Mark Miller. I mean, you know... Oh my god, but you know somewhere Mark Miller is like, I wish I could do that, I'd give up Miller World in order to do that. Yeah, Mike I, Miller would love to do Watchmen too.
0: Oh, he would, he would. I mean, he wouldn't give up Miller World to get, but I'm, I really think that he would do it because he would be like, you know, so that he could do the one issue where Night Owl and um, Rorschach run across. I don't know, Schmichmas. Or something like that, and you know, are inspired by him or something. You know, like I think he would love to do that so that he could direct sales towards his own creative projects. Let's
1: put it that way. I don't know. I think he's. I think he's enough of a fanboy to just want to do it for the sake of doing it.
0: Really? Maybe. I, I mean, I could,
1: I could totally see him just being like, "Oh, oh my god!" See, I've, I've got never to heard do... him talk
0: that way about it. The way that he's talked about Superman. I would buy... I would, well, that, I yeah, would no, buy that, that's true. I think
1: it shows in his work,
0: though. So. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah, that's that's probably true. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Watchmen 2... I, I mean, it's a prequel. Uh, I suppose... I suppose... It, you know, there's a way in which I think there might be a lovely level of... Like, like you said, the, the craft that Cook would bring, like, to take the visual themes and motifs and figure out a way to layer them into um, the prequels so that they sort of still feel of a piece, you know what I mean? Because, because, because Watchmen is so formalistic, um, it almost seems to me like it's a piece of crystal, you know, like you should be able in a way to sort of grow it in certain directions and it would still seem sort of aesthetically pleasing as long as it's got the, the proper crystalline structure to it, if you know what I'm saying.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that being said, uh, did I ever tell you about my idea for a sequel to Watchmen? Which is, this is hilarious. No, but uh, I'm really looking funny. forward to it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm just pitching it to DC now. No, actually, what I just wanted to do was I wanted to take all 12 issues of Watchmen and cut them up uh, based on that three by three um, grid, you know, s- slice it all up, randomly sort of throw all the panels in the air, and then assemble a thirteenth issue of The Watchmen that would be a paste-up of the first twelve issues, um, done at random, just to
1: see what you would get. That's spectacular. <laughs> My mind's kind of blown because I kind of want you to do that now, even if you can never get it published, just to see what would happen.
0: I know. I would really like to do that too. It's so weird. I'm like, you know, maybe now that I am married to somebody who can actually cut a straight line, which is a big problem (laughs) for me. You i might actually twins. try to do it now <laughs> before i never really had the skills ability or know-how you know now so i have really- a wife
1: who has scissors and can guns and knows
0: how to use them she does it's shocking it really is great um did i tell you that today's the 10-year anniversary of when we met
1: no and you're doing yeah. a podcast
0: dude Why i you, know we're you, like going to have dinner or something well, you know it's still early sir it's only uh it 's only ten after six that being said i we couldn 't figure out anything to do, so i 'm not sure that we're going to do anything because uh. it I know it sounds weird, but it almost seems too big, you know like it 's that weird like we keep like serious like money 's a little tight, but i am i 'm like we should go to Half Moon Bay and I should hire a marching band and I I mean but I really cannot like I keep trying to tell her like you do realize that you have changed my life entirely like at 10 years is I'm everything is utterly different for me and I but it seems really weird to convey that with like and that's why I got you Venture Brothers season 4 on DVD and she's like I don't even like animation you know what I mean like
1: you're like and in those ten years there's one th- I keep learning about you every day. And guess what I've
0: learned?
1: <laughs> guess what I've just learned? It's like I told you
0: yesterday I don't like animation. I'm like, Yeah, 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 okay. But
1: <laughs> Yeah, but I learned something else yesterday. One thing I did. Come on, keep up. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously <laughs> I I mean it's Kate's in my tenth uh, anniversary Russian year. Holy shit, that's amazing. Mm-hmm.
0: So, when was the 10 year anniversary of when you guys met? Do you know?
1: Uh, it would have been Thanksgiving last year. Wow. Yeah, well, oh, Thanksgiving last year, yeah. So, that was when you, like, did you find that was, that, that, was the, that was the first physical meetings we met online yeah, yeah, yeah. months before that.
0: Right. This is one of the things that's great with Edie in the sense of, like, we met in person. So, it was like. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: No, it was like two meetings
0: yeah exactly. I mean, there's still the sort of like there was that and then there was the first date and all the other stuff but but yeah this is this is the day we first met, and so ten years ago, and it's kind Aww. of
1: kind I'm actually of very mind. impressed that you remember no oh. like because obviously after a few years you'll remember because it'll be an anniversary, but the, like the first year you're like it was a year ago today that we first right. met, yeah, yeah,
0: um well, the thing that's weird about it is did, did you, you mean it like is... some sort of
1: yeah, like it's Japan. really
0: easy to remember because this is also, um, th- this last, it was 10 years ago in November that I wrote, uh, I, I, I did NaNoWriMo for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I did National Novel Writing Month for the first time back in 2001, so that's pretty memorable. And then went to the big, uh, thank God it's over party on December 1st. And that's where I met Edie. So it's very easy for me to remember it, and it's also just this crazy. Like doing doing Nano was such a milestone for me. It's hilarious that there's an even larger milestone right behind it. You know, like it really is. Like getting writing that crappy fifty thousand word novel in thirty days and doing something that I did not. I didn't really ever have the... I would always wanted to do and didn't have the confidence to and didn't have the right tools for. I was always trying to overdo it or something. Um was such this huge achievement for me. And then to follow it up by meeting Edie, like, the next day. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like two world-changing events, you know, to bring it back to comics. It's like, it's like the Inhumans, and then you follow it right up with Galactus. Like, it's kind of like, wow, how can you actually do that, Jack Kirby? <coughs> Blown my mind. And see, there I go. I've totally trivialized my my relationship to Edie in a way that I did not want to do.
1: Like, I I did not take it as trivial, trivializing. Okay. So so stop now before you start making before other trivializing suggestions. Quit while you're your hands, Jeff. Put well your hands.
0: <laughs> Still not losing um, yet. Uh, yeah. So is there is there any other big comics? brouhaha, I have to admit, the last 10 or 12 days, it was like, mm, reading the Avengers, uh, reading the Gerber's Defenders, and, and
1: just let's let, see, uh, are there? Uh, I don't Watchmen think so. Two, Electric Boogaloo. I feel like I kept up with, like, all the little stories. Question and... 2. Uh, the Shade might get cancelled after a second issue because sales are apparently terrible. Right. Yeah, Which is really a... sad. I really like The Shade. Booster Gold has his pilot... Oh, yeah, right. Sci fi. Just, just, <laughs> Marvel announced the cancellation uh, or the ending of um, Bendis and Bagley's brilliant series with issue five, only for Bendis to say the same day, what are they talking about? That's not even the end of the first storyline.
0: <laughs> no, really? Yes. Oh my god, I totally missed that. That's brilliant. Uh, wow, was, I, that I, recently, yeah, was that just recently? Yeah, that was like
1: last week. Holy shit. I no, actually, that. maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Yeah, so basically, Marvel put out their solicits and they're like, Brilliant, not a five-issue series. Issue five, the final issue. And Ben just said, like, what the fuck are they talking about?
0: Wow. Whoa. Wow. And has there been clarification on anyone's part since? Nope. <laughs> um, man. See, that's the problem. These stories are just like, well, what happened? And then there's just crickets,
1: you know? Well, I, and they say like, there's like, there's no clarification I think because I think the clarification is it's not finishing with issue 5 right because it's a creator-owned book Ben yeah. can theoretically keep it going forever but I mean bear in mind Brilliant is at this point what three months late and it's yeah. after its launch was bumped by a month anyway right right right, right. no I mean this is this so is, you know let's wait and see if issue 5 ever comes out
0: I, I, it's a shame because I really, again, I've tried to, you know, I really do feel like after a certain point of like, oh, you know, okay, I get it, you know, creators under siege, these people are all feeling it. I really don't have nearly as much animus, animosity as I felt, uh, previously or whatever it was just a certain amount of annoyance. But I do have to say as a guy who dug powers up until the point that he stopped, it would have been easier for me to have a lot more um, a positive mm. something for Bendis if he managed to keep that book publishing monthly. Now, I could very well get an email or a mysterious tweet from someone saying, I don't know what I'm talking about, and it's all about, you know,
1: Mike I- Ivan Eming is the what? reason why his stuff is late, but... I don't know why this stuff is late I have no horse in this race I'm not mm-hmm. a fan of powers uh, But Bear in mind that A. Bendis has managed to keep up With his deadlines on his Marvel books But his creator books have all been shitty In terms of deadline. Yeah, really, really bad over the last couple of years But B. Bear in mind that Michael Evan has a day job Does he? Yeah Jesus, what does he do? I want to say he's a uh, designer or an artist for a video game company.
0: Oh, for well, because I know he works for Valve. Well, I know that he did the comic for Valve.
1: Yeah, and... but I, I think it, like his day job is like an illustrator or something for them. Huh. Comics is not his full time job. Is what I'm saying.
0: Wow, that's
1: weirdly heartbreaking. I yeah, mean, it's maybe really it's sad good isn't for it?
0: him. But but that stuns me. You know, because um, you know you you hear it. I mean, I know there. Like, there's, like, a dozen, you know, I'm sure dozens and dozens of people who have com- public comics out and are probably publishing every month where I'm like, you know, I bet this guy's got a day job. I bet that guy's, like, being propped up by, you know, his parents or whatever. Um, uh, Mike Avon Hemming seemed, you know, a big enough name in the industry that I wouldn't think that that would have been
1: the case. So, well, you know. As, that's what I like to do, I like to break your heart Can I offer one thing to unbreak your heart? Please do The Bay Area has its own comic convention next year again Really? Yes, Image Comics are having their own convention Oh yeah,
0: Image Comics It's so funny, I didn't I really should have done the, oh <laughs> But, no, 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 no no. I remember seeing the news on that And I was actually kind of like, oh okay. I'm uh, very Image x Well, I'm not going to do WonderCon, so
1: yeah, I was like Maybe I should do the image thing, you know. And they've, they've invited basically every creator-owned publisher, but, mm-hmm. but not Marvel and DC, which is kind of hilarious and very petty, but <laughs> amusing nonetheless.
0: I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think if you're trying to support creator-owned books,
1: like you
0: know, like Vertigo and and Marvel's Icon line are so barely that anymore, you know. And I mean, they're, oh, they're Vertigo is. Vertigo is, but it's got it's it I don't know, it's creator owned with a with huge asterisks by it, you know? I mean although and some people have said that, that images deal has gotten a lot more, you know, asterisk heavy as well. But you know.
1: If yeah, you know what I'm talking about, I don't that no, could be No, special. I I totally know what you're talking about. It is going yeah. to be February twenty fourth to twenty sixth next year. And you're coming down for it. Uh, sh- sure, because I plan things that far in advance all the time. <laughs> uh, Robert Kirkman, Eric Larson, Todd McFarlane, Mark Silvestri, Jim Valentino, Rob Liefeld, Wiles Portacio, Joe Casey, Jonathan Eggman, and Brian K. Vaughan are all going to be there.
0: Oh, yeah, Brian K. Vaughan. You know, it's kind of a heartbreaker for me, in a way, is um, uh, be- ever since the New 52 started, I've been trying to make it into the comic store every week, as much for our podcast, you know. um so it's like I'll come in on a Wednesday and buy books or for a while there, I think it was Thursday morning so that we could talk about them Thursday afternoon. I don't remember how it worked, but I have this weird thing where I keep coming into the store to talk to Hibbs and we'll be talking and then Eric Larson will come in too. And so Eric Larson is because I think he's living in San Francisco now or no, wait, I think he's he will be living in San Francisco soon, but I think his kids are going to school in San Francisco now. So, basically, he's over in San Francisco. He comes into Comics Experience to shoot the shit with yep. Hibbs. And um, it's just one of those things where where I'm like, Wow, it's Eric Larson. I could actually talk to him like a regular, you know, Joe in a comic book store. And he, I just... He, He's not interested in talking to me. He's not interested in talking to the regular Joe. I mean, he doesn't. He's not rude or anything like that. And, I mean, it would probably help one way or another if i kind of had an opinion about eric larson's work for the most part i mean some of it i've liked some of it i thought was terrible and some of his columns i thought were great and some of them i thought were among the more wrong-headed things i've ever read you know just kind of a mashup, right but i'm there and i'm sort of like well it's eric larson i should you know shoot the shit with him In, in part because Hibbs and I are usually, you know, arguing shooting the about shit some old, Yeah, <laughs> we're arguing about some Star Trek Next Generation episode or something. And and it just never works. It just never works. And it's really odd. I don't know if like like I I, I can't tell if Eric Larson is just kind of like a little socially awkward or I am somehow coming off like kind of a, a weirdo or what. But you know what it is?
1: He re- he listens to the podcast and he's like, I didn't know how to start with that guy.
0: No, I that would be awesome. But like but like Eric wants to talk to Hibbs cuz you know he knows Hibbs and Hibbs is a figure in the industry and so it's like I know what Brian has to say about this and this and this and this. I can't wait to ask him about blank. You know what I mean? But with me, it's pretty much the exact opposite of that. I have no idea who you are. I don't really know what you think about anything and I'm not really sure that I would be interested maybe if you say something if I have an open mind, go for it sure, go ahead. You know what I mean? Like That's the best case scenario. and I'm fine with that, but I just have this weird thing of like, nah, I don't really have much, I don't have to, I'm not interested in proving myself to Eric Larson. I wouldn't mind just talking and shooting the shit with him, but I'm just not able to. So the idea of going down to the Image Comics Forum Con and basically being like Oh, hey, Eric Larson. What up? He'll be like, oh, hey. You know what I mean? Just, I, I, told, I, don't know. I totally think that's reason enough to go. Oh, my God, Graham, you are the worst person on the face of the earth sometimes. <laughs> you re- you're really like, yeah, you should go because that would be perfect. Like, what would be perfect about that? <laughs> what, what? Tell me, why would me driving like an additional 40 miles to be awkward be like a, a draw somehow?
1: I don't see. I don't see any drawback. I I don't see any problems
0: at all. Ah, <laughs> oh, you are amazing. You're like win
1: win. Exactly. Where's the problem? <sighs> oh my god.
0: Oh my god.
1: Okay. Uh, and <laughs> I have, on that, I have, uh, I, have to say. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, hey, too. to uh, tell you something that is going to be of no use to listeners, but will mean you probably spend more money. Yes. Tomorrow's are having a sale on their books uh, until tomorrow. Tomorrow's the last day. Oh, 50, 50% off. Ooh. Yeah,
0: it, it's been going for a while, right? It's been going th- uh, for a week. Yeah, because I swear, I think, I, I want to say someone tipped us off to that on one of the. Comments threads, or maybe that was like an early holiday sale. I'll be honest. Um, I I spent money like a fool on Dark Horse's Cyber Monday app things.
1: So I'm I don't, so glad I didn't even check that out. I managed to spend no money on any of those sales
0: oh, that's good. I felt great for myself because I spent no money on Black Friday and I, at all. I mean, apart from, like, money at my local grocer. And I'm like, this is great. I feel really good about this. And then Cyber Monday came and they had that deal, right? And it was just going to be limited to the first 500 customers, which I think they were lying about, maybe. Um, and I was like, oh, well, I'm sure this discount doesn't apply. Wait, is, it, is this like, a Star Wars discount? Uh, no, 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 no. No, no, uh, sorry. IDW is
1: doing Star Trek. and Yeah.
0: Oh, the Star Trek one! I actually bought—I bought the second issue of uh, of the Star Trek Legion of Superheroes thing for ninety-nine cents through them. I thought that would be a good deal. Um, you know, I really do want Marvel Comics in the seventies. So, although, geez, who was it? i, I want to say that there was a pretty strong um, meh review. Oh, was there? But, uh, yeah, uh, Alid David. Alan David Dunn site?
1: Oh, comic with galsic
0: Yeah, is, is it Chris Montner? Who's, no, is it Chris Montner? Who's the Chris who who, who co-wrote? Alan, Chris Allen. Thanks. I was like, Chris Allen, that doesn't sound that right. And yet, and yet it is. <laughs> and yet it is. Yeah, Chris Allen wrote a review, I believe, of Marvel Comics in the 70s, and was like, it's really a weird, idiosyncratic book. Because the idea is the guy's basically relating the history of Marvel in the 70s Via series of comic reviews,
1: from yeah, I- issue by issue,
0: yeah, and they were like, they were like, it's an interesting approach, but it's, it's got weird biases and stuff. Like, I think, I think this guy didn't like Steve Gerber's Defenders is a is a classic case, you know, of just something where Chris Allen was like, okay, I guess, but then to try and weave that into the history seems to make it seems to be very odd so um ooh, yeah there's there is there's there's stuff here at tomorrow's but anyway so so start ITW had the star trek sale that i picked up one issue at but that was during the week i did not pick up the 900 issues of of or 100 issues of star wars for however much it was um, but they had their Cyber Monday sale, which was the first five hundred customers, got fifty percent off their order if they bought more than twenty dollars worth of books.
1: How much did you buy? Uh before or after the discount. Well, just tell me after and then I can just multiply by two. Uh fifty one dollars. Holy mother of gods, Jeff. <laughs>
0: See, I knew that was going to be the reaction, but yeah, that was it. To, to, in my defense, most of that was like Lone Wolf and Cub and Lady Snowblood and more expensive manga. You know, than like it wasn't like I bought like three hundred issues of Hellboy at two ninety nine a pop or something like that. I am in shock. <laughs> uh, in, in a good
1: way, or um, no, not sure, really Are, Sure, let's say in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? In a good way. I'm uh, I think I'm just jealous. I feel like uh, I spending like that amount of money on myself in any in any one in, time. in any
0: context. I, 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 I actually pretty much you. like I, yeah. I
1: have real problems even like buying albums for myself.
0: Wow. Well actually that is that is a weird area where if it's that classic bullshit of um you know, sales, where they show that people actually spend more money and make stupider purchases if you cut the prices and stuff like that. There was an article on, like, Lifehacker or something, and I'm like, wow, that was me to a T. Um, Because, you know, some of this stuff, I I think I've told you, I I just had such a really good time reading Crime Freeman, and I was like, I'd really like to have that experience again. And I'm like, well... 10 volumes of Lone Wolf and Cub, my god, it doesn't matter that you already own the hard copies of them, you know, um, and then the Lady Snowblood, and to be fair, I think there was stuff that I actually did end up buying that I don't have hard copies of, so I'm only kind of quasi-an-idiot.
1: So wait, well, uh, h- how much did you spend on stuff that you already own? Um,
0: uh, $51 worth, maybe? Um, because I bought the three Finder volumes, you know? Um, and and I have those in multiple formats. Uh, I don't have Lady Snowblood, Volume 1 and 2. Uh, I do not have... I do not have Samurai... Uh, sorry, The Path of the Assassin. I don't have the three volumes of that. So, five volumes of manga, basically, out of... Um, I don't know, maybe... Fifteen or sixteen books that I bought. Oh, good lord! <laughs> yes. Oh, good lord! Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. It, 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 is is that like a shock to your system? Do you need to? It like, really is. Down? I,
1: I, yeah. I am. I'm <laughs> such a cheapskate that I'm like, I can't believe you spent that much money on something you already owned.
0: What? I, I know. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I know. It's terrible. It's terrible but again I think I told you part of my idea with this which everyone will be laughing at me during the great you know uh, EMP pulse wars of 2015 (laughs) uh, is the idea of getting rid of my printed stuff and converting what I can to digital so I was like for the money that I was paying at 50% off and the prices that they're marked at I feel pretty comfortable that I can um, recoup most of Uh, or hopefully all of the money that I spent
1: um, by selling the hard copies. I just... I find it fascinating that you... I don't know, do not have the devotion to print that I do. I I really like... I like digital comics, but I prefer print comics. The idea of getting rid of print comics that you own for digital comics is just... I kind of understand it, but I'm also like, "You're insane." But see, here's the thing, Ram, That is
0: brilliant about you. The reason why you don't get it is you can get rid of your print comics. You <laughs> well,
1: well, well, yes.
0: Well, yes. But I can. I have yet to be able to do that. <laughs> believe me. Believe me. I've tried. I've. I. I have tried. I am really, really working to do that. And this. This is about uh, as close as I'm going to get so far hopefully it will accelerate that process now that's not true I did I think I've told you you know we've talked about on the podcast where I've gone and I've sold huge amounts of books um, before and gotten rid of you know boxes and boxes and boxes of books but there's a lot of the the graphic novels and the comic books are proving to be the hardest things for me to get rid of and that's part of the reason why I am trying to do this so um, so yeah part of me is like even if I have it on digital it's like you know and like I said I have had some really great experiences with that and again precisely in a digital format Um, you know I don't know if I would have really enjoyed Crying Freeman as much if I had been reading it in print which sounds weird
1: no I I completely see that
0: so (sighs) Well, that my goodness, show, sorry. there we go. Exactly. It's been two and a half hours.
1: I know. We've actually talked ourselves out of it for once. Liz- yeah. Listeners, if you're somehow still with us, um, A, I'm sorry. This really was the most scattered ridiculous podcast in the world. B, you might notice Jeff and I both sound very tired now. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it is tough when we do these these Thursday night ones. On the one hand, it's great because I feel like
1: we can go, as, we can go along.
0: We can go long, and we ha- usually have a lot of stuff saved up to talk about,
1: but yeah, it it, it also does sound like... It, yeah, it comes at the end of the day, like, you mm-hmm. know, I was definitely working all the way up until you called. Well, yeah, exactly. And I have I mean, been since, spent like that, that first 7.30 hour, this morning, so
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, first half hour talking about your tech articles, like, you know... I mean, thank God there were the Malamars to come in to make, you know, <laughs> to be even less relevant. No, I feel that. No, don't, don't, because it's, cra- again, I'm like, I think that's. Hello? Hello? Did, can you hear me?
1: I can, am... but um, yeah, for some reason my, um, my computer like completely froze. And you, oh, really? you, you disappeared for a second, but it didn't hang up. Very.
0: Oh, interesting. Did you make a noise like. Yes. Oh, okay. That was well, that then, was me. Don't worry
1: Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, oh
0: boy. All right. Well, that, in that case, you're not possessed by ghosts. No, Your computers not possessed. I by indeed ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> All right, friend. We will talk next week. We will talk about comics that came out in the comic book store, yes. um, and we will have five or six parts of this podcast talking about. Malamar's keyloggers and Steve Gerber's defenders—that I hope will
1: uh, satisfy. Well, I have to just put a time code in. We talk about Steve Gerber's defender from twenty-three thirty. Oh god, I
0: really should do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard though because I have to edit it all down before I can have an accurate time code Because otherwise, things jump
1: off. You should just make it up. You should be like, eh, it's somewhere in there. Like, there we go. Jump forward to like twenty-minute mark and go. From jump there.
0: forward at thirty-seven thirty to hear us, and it's just me chewing. You know? <laughs> Uh all right. Well, uh in that case, um I guess should we uh, we should just say goodbye to the listeners.
1: Bye listeners.
0: See you see you next time listeners. Thank you for putting up with us. <laughs>